Welcome to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by League Apps. League Apps is the leading youth sports management platform, providing organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. On a mission to bring the benefits of sport to kids everywhere, they go beyond technology to provide leaders with professional development and relationship building, and to work with sports-based organizations to address issues of accessibility and equality. To learn more, find them at League Apps com or as league apps on all of the social networks now here's the host of the show longtime soccer broadcaster and voice of united soccer coaches dean linky i am dean linky this is the united soccer coaches podcast and it is indeed presented by league apps and we have a wonderful show today earlier this week it was announced that the university of chicago men's soccer team had named Julianne Sitch, the former Gatorade Women's Soccer Player of the Year, a wonderful career at DePaul, part of the U.S. Youth National Team System, a great career in WPS and even NWSL, a great coaching career, including at University of Chicago in the women's soccer program and becoming the second female to coach a men's soccer team at the D3 level, joining Kim Wyant, Julianne Sitch, kicks off the show fresh off just being named the head coach of the University of Chicago men's soccer team. I love this story because I'm so proud of the United Soccer Coaches and the Women's Soccer Coaches Advocacy Group for pushing women coaches forward. Julianne Sitz, the new head coach of the University of Chicago men's soccer team. After her will go evergreen as Anna Witte was on podcast row at the convention in Kansas City. And she sits down with Nate Hauser, who's a big time name in the greater Kansas City area. He's from California, but he went to Baker University, not that far from Kansas City, where he was a great player. He played indoor, he played outdoor in Major League Soccer, great human being. He would go back to Baker as the head coach of the men's and women's soccer teams. Currently, he's the head coach of the men's soccer team. And oh, by the way, he's also the athletic director at Baker University. Nate Hauser is fantastic. His interview with Anna Witte is fantastic. Speaking of fantastic, we are starting to round out all of the members of our current 30 under 30 class. We meet two more. Chelsea Patterson, now the assistant coach at Loyola Marymount University in her home state of California. And Tony Madonia, who coaches high school in the Chicago area. What a great message he has as well. Again, we kick off the show with the new head coach of the University of Chicago men's soccer team, none other than the great Julianne Sitch after this message from our presenting sponsor, League Apps. We bet you didn't get into this business for the back office duties. That's why we created League Apps, the industry's leading youth sports management platform. So you can spend less time with busy work and more time doing what you love. League Apps provides organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. Go to leagueapps.com to learn more. League Apps is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by League Apps. Once again, here's the host of the show, Dean Linky. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Lee Gaps. You heard my excitement in the open. We kick off the show with Julianne Sitch, who just a few days ago was named 
by the University of Chicago Director of Athletics and Recreation, Angie Terrain, as the new head coach of the men's soccer team at the University of Chicago, becoming, we think, only the second woman to coach a men's team at the D3 level. Her career has been fantastic. We're going to get into it, but right now I want to welcome Julianne Sitch to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Lee Gaps. Julianne, thanks for kicking off this week's show. Thank you for having me, Dean. I'm excited to be here and appreciate you asking me to, to join. So what does this mean for you? You've had such a decorated career as a player and as a coach, but to take on this challenge of coaching these young men in a great city like the University of Chicago, can you put into words what it means to you? <laughs> Putting it into words is very hard, but I, I feel very honored and I'm just humbled by the experience to be back at a place like University of Chicago. When I was here on the woman's side, you know, I absolutely fell in love with the school. I fell in love with the program. I had a great mentor that I was working with, Amy Reifer. And so to kind of, after leaving here and having different opportunities in my coaching career to have this chance to be back at a place like University of Chicago and being back in the UC athletic department has meant a lot to me. The student athletes that you're getting here are phenomenal. They're very driven. The programs across the board in athletics are successful. The athletic community amongst the staff, just the way that they collaborate and work together. I really felt like I grew as a person and a coach being here and having these other coaching opportunities that I've had, being at D1 with UIC and then being with the Red Stars, like I feel that I have grown tremendously as a coach. And so I'm just very excited to be back into you know, a place that I can call home and to lead the men's soccer program that has also been very successful in the past years. And the word I already got from Haley Carter, who does such a great job chairing the women's soccer coaches advocacy group, and even Nicole Hercules, who you may not know, but definitely knows of you, that your spring practices, the fitness, everything, apparently these young men truly did embrace you and are all in. Can you elevate that statement? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I have to be honest, like I was just humbled by the amount of just outreach from the men after, you know, I met them the first night and just, you know, hey, coach, we're so excited, we're ready to go. And they showed up early. I mean, it was, we have 645am, you know, you need to be there by 645 and players showing and arriving at 615, 620, 630. They got a ball out, they're kicking it around, they're ready to go. Like, I was like, yeah, I'm jazzed. This is awesome. I'm ready to go for my first day. So I think, you know, like they inspired me on that first day. And I think they have embraced this. I feel very, very, you know, just welcomed by all of them. And they've worked hard all four days so far that we've had our training and they bring it. I mean, they bring the grit, they bring the resiliency, you know, they're layering in this, the championship culture that we're trying to create here. And that's already been created here. And we're starting to add different layers to that. Yeah, they've embraced me with open arms and ready to work hard. And that has really meant a lot to me. It also means a lot to you to be a pioneer like Kim Wyatt, who you'll face in the UAA because she's the head coach at New York University. And I feel like all of us, men and women within United Soccer Coaches are already excited about that matchup. Can you tell us in your own words what that will mean? That's history right there. I've already had a lot of people comment on that game and they're like, oh, I'm not missing that game. They better live stream that game. And just wondering like, what what history you know like that is that's going to make a mark in the men's game and just soccer in general women's side men's side and just for the sport you know i spoke to kim a few times just when this kind of job opportunity popped up you know i got her information and reached out and people like oh you need to talk to kim you need to connect with her and you know i need to connect with her again now that i have officially started just speaking with her and just hearing like how much this has meant to her you know in general you know it 
it really inspired me to be like, oh, this is so great. Like the things that we're doing for young women and little girls. And, you know, like if they don't see it, they don't dream it, you know? And I think about just like for myself as a young athlete growing up, you know, I started playing soccer. I was the only girl on all boys team, you know, and just my career in general and my athletes that I would watch were MLS men's soccer player, you know? And so I think just, again, another opportunity for women to, to continue to move forward and, and show young women, Hey, you can go after anything you want to go after. And here's how, and, you know, here are some steps and just believing in yourself and taking a chance and stepping out there sometimes on your own, but knowing that everyone has this, you know, is behind you and supporting you. So knowing that Kim is here and has done this, like it was amazing to have a resource to speak with. So for that, I'm grateful. And Kim, like you, has indeed taken all the right steps. You've been so great at already reminding us that you're returning to Hyde Park because you were previously the assistant coach for the University of Chicago women's soccer team from 2015 to 17. Since 2020, Julianne Sitch has served as an assistant women's soccer coach for the Chicago Red Stars of the NWSL, and she has been deeply involved with team and individual training sessions, facilitating individual player development plans, and organizing player profiles for the college draft, the 2021 Red Star squad was an NWSL finalist and the 2020 team was an NWSL Challenge Cup finalist. Simultaneously, Julianne was the head women's soccer coach of the Chicago Red Stars Reserves. 2021 Reserves won the Women's Premier Soccer League Great Lakes Conference Championship. She previously coached at NCAA Division I level as an assistant women's soccer coach for the University of Illinois, Chicago, 2018 to 2019. And on the international level, Julianne worked with the U.S. Soccer Youth National Team from 2019 to 20. She was the assistant coach for the under 16 girls national team which took first place in the uefa women's international development tournament in portugal i say all of that because you did put in the steps so whether it's men or women you put in the steps to embrace this opportunity yes <laughs> i mean yeah yes and i'm you know all those experiences have helped pave me to where i'm at today but also just like along the way just learning from people like learning from my peers, learning from mentors that are huge people, you know, people I go to every single day in my life still. And without those experiences and having those opportunities to coach at a high level <laughs> without some of those things, you know, maybe I would, I it would still be here. However, like those opportunities have really pushed me as an individual, as a coach to be better, to be more detailed to what am I missing and look and look at the game in a different approach. You know, I've learned from some of some of the greatest coaches around that I've also had huge playing backgrounds and, you know, a lot of um, their opportunities in coaching. So it's like learning the pieces from them and taking things away from them. Like, oh, I love this. Like, I want to add this to my layer. How can I make this my own? And, you know, and so for that, I'm very fortunate to have had those experiences. One thing that the players can do as well is they can say, wow, Julianne was a heck of a player. Let me just read off some of these accolades. Here you are at the University of Chicago in the state of Illinois, where you were the Gatorade Women's High School Player of the Year in Illinois. I won't say the year because that would not be polite on me. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> but then you went on to set Record-setting numbers at DePaul University. You broke the school's career records in points, goals, and assists. Your collegiate honors included being recognized by the United Soccer Coaches, then named the NSCAA as an All-American, Conference USA 
player of the year. You also played with the under 19 U S national team, the under 21 U S national team. She was part of the U 21 national team that won the Nordic cup in 2004. And you were professional. You played for sky blue FC of the WPS. I called your games as the former voice one year of the Chicago red stars. I remember you like it was yesterday. I love the heart that you played with and, the players can look at you and know that you bring that as well, because I know watching you play, Julianne, playing with heart, playing with will, playing with that tenacity is so important to you. It's very important to me. It is one of the biggest things that I will always be passionate about in my coaching. And you can always teach the details. You can always teach the tactics. You can work on players individually with that technical ability, but but there is something about that grit and resiliency and that heart that you're just willing to do anything and everything for your teammate. But that also is like some of that, you, you create that culture, right? You could create that competitive environment and you lay that foundation and give a space for your players to bring that out. And that will, like I said, that will always be a staple <laughs> wins and losses, right? I I'm a competitor. I hate to lose. However, if I know that my team laid everything out there and they gave it their all, I can sleep better at night knowing we have lost. And, and, you know, and I think you create that culture where it is that, Hey, I'm going to go make this extra run. Cause I know my team, it has my back and building that trust and having that and having that selfless work ethic. And I, you know, and that is very important to me. That was a staple of who I was as a player. It was a staple of a lot of the teams that we were very successful in. And that is something that will always be the first layer in my coaching. All right, so walk us through how this happened. As I already mentioned just a few days ago, the athletic director for University of Chicago, Angie Terrain, picked you as the coach. Can you talk about the process that you went through to get to this point? Yes. So when Pat Flynn and I had worked together, when we were both assistant coaches here at University of Chicago, who's on the men's side, that was on the women's side, and then he had previously come back and was the head coach here. So we had stayed in touch for years. And when he had called me to let me know that he would be taking on another position, he was like, you got to think about this job. I'm putting your name for it. You got to go for it. I think it would be awesome for you. And I just, of course, you know, you don't think about applying to a men's position because that's not, has not been the norm and laid out there. And so I had a great conversation with him and I had a great conversation with my mentor, Amy Reifert, the head coach for the woman's side. And she was like, heck yeah, let's do that. And I was like, yeah, you're right. I'm going to go for it. Why not? I'm going to apply for it. Right. Like it was a no brainer that I was going to apply for it. I was going to put myself out there. I was going to give everything into the interview the same way that I would for any other job that I've approached and interviewed for. So that's kind of how like the process had started with that. Again, it's one of those things where I'm coming back to a place that I absolutely love. And I have a lot of passion for this university and for the athletic department, which always doesn't make it the easiest to apply for a place where people might, <laughs> might know you just within speaking with Pat. And so I knew that the men wanted to have like the the best coach and around and you know and I, again like they were phenomenal in the interview process they asked me great questions um you know they challenged me in that interview process and here we are so when you were named the head coach what do you remember about the words from Angie and what do you remember about talking to your family how excited they were for you Sadly, both my parents have passed, although my dad would have been my first phone call. He would have been the first phone call. He would have been extremely, extremely pr proud. He had 
loved my time here at University of Chicago. So I know exactly what he would have said. When Angie had called me, I was actually in Home Depot looking at LED lights for my kitchen. And when she had called, I was like stunned and in the middle of Home Depot. So I couldn't really, you know, be too excited and cheer. But just to have the honor of receiving this job, I, I mean, it is you know, I, I don't think that there's quite any words for it. So um, I did, when I shared the news with my wife, I definitely got a big cheer and like, heck yeah, we're doing this, you know? And there was like a no brainer, you're doing this, right? Like we're, we're moving forward and I'm right behind you and my friends, my family, my siblings, I mean, they thought it was the coolest thing. And they're like, you are doing this. This is amazing. And, you know, just taking that step forward and paving the way for the women alongside me for the women, you know, that have come before me and the women, you know, that hopefully will follow in, you know, mine and Kim's footsteps. You know, when you think about women and here we are on the United Soccer Coaches podcast, we've been doing this for four or five years now, every single week. And then I always have a great front row seat at the convention where I see the women's soccer coaches advocacy group just being so strong. And I think about people like Haley Carter and Amanda Vanderbort and Jill Ellis and, Dr. Colleen Hacker and Leslie Gallimore. I mean, you know, all these women, they're so excited for you as well. And United Soccer Coaches has always wrapped their arms around women, pushing women forward. Can you talk about what that organization has meant to help you get to where you are now? Yeah, I think, you know, just, just seeing, especially like Leslie and I know Colleen and um, Becky Burley, like they're huge, like inspiration to me and just seeing what they've been able to do in their programs and the legacies that they have led. And, you know, I, I remember prior to being friends with Becky Burley, I'd see her on the recruiting trail, like, oh, it's Becky Burley, it's Becky Burley, you know, like it's so exciting and, you know, but now it's just like, heck, yeah, heck yeah, this is like our women group, like we're getting after this and we're making changes and we're stepping forward. And I think without the women before me paving that way and stepping forward and, saying like making a stance and saying, this is where we're going, you know, again, those opportunities, you may be scared to reach out, or you might be scared to step forward and take those opportunities. But yeah, they, it has meant a lot, you know, to me. And I, I even tribute it back to, let's just talk about like the athletes that played the Julie Foudy's, the Mia Hams, the Brandy Chastain, like all of those players that have paved the way for women to have a professional league to continue to build on. So not only does it stem in just the coaching world, but it stems for me too, is like the players. And, you know, I idolized these players looking up and now having full on adult conversations with them. I'm like, well, this is really cool. Like I once wanted to be these women and look what they have done for myself and for other young girls and women to, you know, to aspire to and to dream about. So it, this is it. Yes. It has meant a lot to me. That answer gives me chills. We have time for just a couple <laughs> more questions as I know you're busy, but you also, as an assistant coach that had great success, you know, the value of assistant coaches talk about how you're putting your staff together. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I have Mike Morrow here who was um, previously an assistant coach um, with the university of Chicago on the men's side. Um, we actually, um, I did a stint back in 2019, came back and worked as a volunteer with you Chicago when I was just in between a little bit of what I was going to do and really wanted to be back and part of the program. So Amy had welcomed me with 
open arms. So Mike at the time was volunteer assistant, I believe, and I was as well. So that was kind of our first connection and meeting. And we hit it off then. And um, now knowing that he would be here remaining on staff, it has been nothing but phenomenal. He has been great. It's been a great transition. He is very eager and excited and ready to go. It's fun. It's collaborative, you know, working together. And, you know, he's been nothing but a huge support for me and an advocate. So I can't even, I can't thank him enough. So I'm really excited to continue to move forward and working with him. As we close out, I do want to show you because you were old enough, you were young. So again, we're not giving away your age, but you were young enough, but I was lucky enough to be the junior press officer for the 91 women's world cup team in China and put together this. Yeah. You just mentioned a lot of those names that are still beacons. They're still beacons today in the game. Right. And now even the great Michelle Akers, who I think is the greatest player to ever play the game is now working at NWSL. So to know where we came from 1991 to where we are now, where Julianne Sitch is the head coach of the university of Chicago men's soccer team, that has to make you so proud. (laughs) It does. It makes me very proud. But again, you know, without the women paving the way before me, you know, so I thank them. All right, Julianne, well, we thank you for coming on and particularly in such short notice. I couldn't think of a better way to kick off this week's show as all of us were so excited when we heard the news and thank you for spending some time with us. Thank you for being a part of United Soccer Coaches and we wish you nothing but the best of luck in this new exciting role as the head coach of the University of Chicago men's soccer team. So cool, Julianne. Thank you. I really appreciate it, Dean. I just really appreciate you reaching out and, you know, having me be a guest on your show. feel honored. Thank you. The honor is all mine for sure. And it really was my honor. And I want to thank Haley Carter and Nicole Hercules and the great people at the University of Chicago for helping me connect with Julianne so quickly. What a great way to kick off the show. When we return, we find another great evergreen interview with Anna Witte on Podcast Row in Kansas City as she sat down with Nate Hauser, who is a big name in the Kansas area. He's from California, but went to Baker University where he would return to coach not just the men's soccer team, but the women's soccer team too. Now he just coaches the men's soccer team. But Oh, by the way, he's also the athletic director at his alma mater, Baker University. Great interview with Anna Witte and Nate Hauser after these messages. Performance analysis is now recognized as having a crucial role to play in any coaching program. United Soccer Coaches Performance Analysis Level 1 Special Topics Diploma will provide coaches with real-world examples of how analysis is being used to enhance the individual player development process and maximize team performance. Additionally, successful candidates will achieve Level 1 accreditation as an Applied Performance Analyst from the International Society of Performance Analysis of Sport. Register now by visiting the Master Course Schedule on unitedsoccercoaches.org. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Lee Gaps. Once again, a great evergreen interview. Anna Witte was on Podcast Row at the convention in Kansas City, and she sat down with Nate Hauser, who used to coach both the men and women at Baker University. He's still the men's coach, and he's the athletic director there. Amazing. Take it away, Anna, with a great visit with Nate Hauser. Welcome back into the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. I'm Anna Witte in Kansas City on Podcast Row, joined by the men's soccer head coach at Baker University and the athletic director at Baker University, Nate Hauser. Nate, thank you so much for joining us and and telling us a little bit about your playing career, your coaching career. So let's start with your playing career. You're originally from San Diego and you went out to Baker University to play soccer. Why? Growing up out 
out, out west, it was, uh, you know, it was a huge gene pool back in the late 80s, right, and, and trying to find your way. I, I had a couple opportunities through ODP uh, to walk on at a few bigger schools. We happened to have uh, a, a Baker football recruiter who was looking at some kids at our, at our high school sent uh, the soccer coach from Baker out. That year, we happened to win our CIF title. He, he took five of us back. He's like, would you like to come visit? I loved it. The other four guys went to bigger schools, and I said, you know what? This is a place for me and the place I can grow a little bit. And mm -hmm. it's it's been uh, an incredible ride since then. You haven't left since then. You're still at Baker University. You did leave. You went on to play for the Kansas City Comets in the major indoor soccer league. Indoor soccer, what was that transition from college soccer to playing indoor professional? Uh, I tell you, it was like somebody turned the fast-forward knob on the game. <laughs> you know, the first uh, first couple months you're in there at training, the game was so fast. You know, we'd just gone through the transition. Um, the, the indoor soccer league in the 80s had just folded, and the NPSL had just started. And so a team had just moved from uh, Atlanta. The attack was here, mm -hmm. and they had won the championship in 93, I got drafted by the Wichita Wings. Like, so I, was, I thought I was going to go play with a couple heroes of mine, like Kim Rutved and, and Tattoo and, and Dale Irvine and all these guys who, who happened to be in Wichita. And then I got traded the next day to Kansas City and played that night with Wes Wade, somebody I'd watched playing for the San Diego Soccers and, and some incredible players there. And, but I, I, I tell you, I can't remember the first two months. Because <laughs> technically, you know, outdoor, you, you can suffer – you know, bigger touches and some different things. But indoor, you know, you have to be very, very clean. Mm -hmm. And at that time, there was no MLS, right? This is this is 93, 94. So all of the best players in the country at one time or another are playing, right? The Peter Vermees played indoor. Tony Miola was in playing indoor. And, you know, Tony Sane was, was playing indoor. So you're playing at a, at a, at a pretty high level. Mm -hmm. And it was to, to jump from small college into that was, was quite quite amazing what position did you play ironically i scored a ton of goals in college and they made me a defender <laughs> why I, I think because of my size you know uh mm -hmm. back then there, there weren't a lot of six three guys playing and i didn't have any experience playing with my back to goal i you know grew up in california you run at people you right. know we, we had english coaches playing a hispanic style and it was like run and do you know creative things and and indoor it was like put your back to the goal and put your foot on it and so they said you know what start the back and, and see, see if you can move forward a little bit. As a forward in college, how did it help you as a defender in the professional? I think it helped me identify, you know, some cues when guys are coming at me. It, it, it helped me understand, you know, seeing things coming at me. But mm -hmm. I think also being able to attack out of the back, you know, being able to see the field and, you know, I could read some things and, and get involved a lot. Which one did you prefer, outdoor or indoor soccer? Is that a loaded uh, question? No, it's not a loaded question, right? <laughs> I, I loved indoor soccer, and it allowed me to, to, to grow as a player, right? I, I think that it was instrumental in my career because I, I also played six seasons outdoor in the second division as well, right? But as a big kid, I needed space, right? And, I, you know, I, I think I thrived in it. I got to be, a, you know, a center back a little bit, and I was, but mostly a six playing outdoor professionally, and – I just, you know, drive, there's nothing more fun for me than driving 40-yard balls to, to somebody, you know, combining and, and, and just running. Right. You know, I, I love that part. When you were done with your professional career, before you got into the coaching realm, why did you want to be a coach? 
I come from a family that's of educators. Uh, my grandfather was an assistant superintendent in schools in San Diego. Uh, my dad worked in an education center. My mom was a nurse and a special ed teacher. So I look at coaching as my way to give back and share share the experiences, right? I, I had the opportunity to play with a Champions League winner um, from Red Star Belgrade, right? I've played with different guys who've been in national teams and played in World Cups. Uh, I got to be on the field with Galatasaray and chase Hakan Sucre around, right? So how do I how do I give that back to players mm-hmm. and and share like this is why we do things. This is having having been next to these folks and and, and really well, sometimes suffering a little bit what they're doing, but but really you know trying to soak that in. I I, I think it's a duty uh, of all of us who 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 were fortunate to play at a high level to give back and, and, and try to share that. You mentioned wanting to share what you learned in the professional ranks, playing with these incredible players. Coaching's a completely different position. So how do you communicate what you learned in your playing days to these younger players? Well, uh, as a as a professional player, you think you know you, oh, I'm a player and they're just going to listen to me. Oh, right. yeah, you I, have I, the credibility. <laughs> yeah. Well, credibility goes about like seven, seven, eight <laughs> steps down the road. And then, you know, I had to go to, through coaches education and and learn, you know, how to build practices, learn how to not just regurgitate the things that I did, but really be able to identify what what problem I'm seeing, what's an effective way to to organize a, a training session for players to address our shortcomings and kind of grow and, and really understand how I wanted to see the game, how I wanted to teach the game. Mm-hmm. And I, it, it was a humbling experience too, right? Because again, I when coaching courses we all used to play so i can go out there and we're in sessions and you can play and you know i can stand out right but being able to communicate what i want that was that was a huge transition and and being able to to have a vision and share it with somebody that they could understand and the difference between adults and and young kids right Mm -hmm. I, I, i dabbled in some youth coaching camps and with some young teams and you learn patience, right? And then, and hopefully, you're you're evaluating yourself and saying, okay, what am I saying versus what are they hearing, mm-hmm. right? And as you might imagine, as a six-three person that sometimes has a, a big boy voice, uh, last thing I want to do is scare anybody away, right? So how do how do you find that place? You know, whether it's where I stand or, you know, how do I lower myself uh, it, it physically mm-hmm. to be heard rather than to feel threatening, right? It, it's 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 a continuing thing. It's the details is what yeah. it sounds like. And you, yeah. you mentioned that transition to learn how to be a good teacher. How long did that take for you? Uh, I'm, I'm still on the path. <laughs> I am still on the path. It, I, I think the thing that, that has helped is I, I've, I've stepped back and gone, you know, it's less about teaching and more about helping people solve problems. Right. And so maybe it, it, words mean something, but I, I feel like teaching is I say you do. And I think problem solving is all right here's a problem how can we all look at it to be better but in a very specific way right it's not you know everybody get we're not having a democracy here right yeah <laughs> like there's there's leadership but it, it, it i've learned that the people if i can identify with you or or any or, or a player individually what are your wants and needs and motivations that helps me tweak how and what i say to make you interested keep them interested and, and help them see what the long term is and and constantly telling them the other the other part is i say the coaching voice for me has been 
don't tell people what's wrong. As a player, I know I screwed up. I heard it from all the guys on the field. I heard it from the fans. Like, I get it. Mm-hmm. But it's what's the solution? And I've tried to tried to create a solution-based environment. And that's the thing I've had to get better at because you get frustrated. And I think this is why great basketball players or football players don't always make great coaches. You have to realize they aren't you. They don't have your experiences. Mm-hmm. You've got to see things from their point of view. So how do we communicate and how do we go together down that road? You were a student, now you're a teacher, and you mentioned that you like to connect with players and learn where they want to go. When you got to Baker, you weren't just coaching one program, you were coaching the men's and the women's program. How did you make time for all of those players? That was that was a struggle. Uh, I, honestly, I had a great staff. Um, I had a, a young man, uh, ironically, that I'd met in our, one of our alumni games, and gentleman named Davey Phillips, who's now the head coach at Washburn for the women. And we were able to kind of divide and conquer and, and, and really share some responsibilities and become two, two, uh, two places the players could go to, to provide feedback and, and, and feel comfortable talking. And then we added uh, Sarah Matthews, uh, who's now our, our Baker women's head coach, as an assistant as well. And, and, and really, you know, Sarah helped with the women, Davey helped with the men, and then I was able to kind of go back and forth. And you just mentioned that Sarah Matthews took over the women's program. Now you are the men's coach. How have you become a better coach, I guess, having that experience coaching women's soccer and men's soccer? You know, when people ask, what's the difference? I, I and, and, you know, to be as honest as, as possible, I, I think the women that I coached wanted, they said, you tell us what you want us to do and we're going to do our best to do that. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and my my chore was to get them out of the box. You guys are awesome. You're doing exactly what I like. OK. And this men are the opposite. We all think we have crazy ideas and they're all the best ideas. And it's getting men in the box. Right. Like <laughs> uh, and, and guilty. Uh, uh, you know what I mean? As, a, as my my college coach, Sean Holmes, who's um, now up in Minnesota, St. Cloud State. He's got a picture of all of our team. And everybody's in listening, and I'm looking off somewhere. And he goes, that is you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they captured it. <laughs> exactly. And so, you know, re- remembering that and, and, and going from practice to practice and, and understanding the, the different audience. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and the other part I'd say when you're very pointed with players, men think you're talking. If I sit a group of men down and I say, you know, we need to do this, this wasn't good enough, every guy sitting there thinks it's, I'm talking to the other guys. Whereas when I do that with the women's team, they all thought I was talking only to them. And, you know, these are epiphanies. Like, I'm like, I'm like so, how, again, the need to message appropriately to who it is. And, th- and that's not to say either group is better or worse. It's just I think that at that time they were bringing different things to the table. Right. I've asked a lot of coaches that question, and they all have a similar answer to the one that you just gave me. So it seems pretty consistent across the board, which is pretty funny. You additionally took on the role as the athletic director at Baker University. Why did you add that on? We got to a point in transition at school, and the president asked. <clears throat> she's like, are you interested in doing this? If not, you know, we're going to do an outside search. And again, as an A-type personality, as every coach is, I said, well, I don't want another boss. You know, that doesn't know me. It doesn't like, so I want to take a stab at it. And at that time, I had become the longest tenured coach at school. So everyone knew me. I thought this would be an opportunity to kind of put my vision for what soccer is onto the whole athletic department. And 
I was able to add some incredible staff uh, as assistant ADs, and it's it's a lot, mm-hmm. but it, it's so rewarding. You know, we're in the middle of a $16 million um, renovation. You know, we're building a, a soccer-specific field. We're, we're doing a whole lot of things with baseball and softball. And Amazing. Yeah, so. That's awesome. And so uh, being an athletic director at the university, seeing what coaches need, how has that helped you in your role as a coach to understand what coaches need at the collegiate level? I spend a lot of time. I'll go and sneak into practice, and I just listen to them. Uh, and, and I really – and then I'm, and I'm watching their players, right? I don't – if you ask me, like, how to run the amoeba defense or whatever for a basketball team, I, I don't know what I'm doing. But, I'm, but what are they saying? How are they saying it? And what reactions are they getting? So as I'm giving them feedback, I'm also – replaying all the film in my own mind for my own players like wow that's why aren't why haven't i done that right right or oh my goodness i hear myself doing i'm never gonna do that again and then you know providing that feedback for them and then constantly trying to adjust one thing i've noticed in team sports in general at the end of the day it's still the same message the same concept it's the same you know questions that coaches answer when you ask them about whatever it is when it comes to their players, whether it's football, basketball. So going to these basketball practices, football practices, and seeing how these other coaches teach their players, how has it helped you as a coach for the men's program? If you've ever had the the pleasure of seeing a football practice, there's 19 guys coaching all the different pods. It's insane. Right? It's controlled chaos. Is it controlled? I don't know. (laughs) Well, you know, they got them in the same spot. No, I think you're right. And (laughs) Uh, and uh, like we, our team wins all the time, and like they've got music going, and like, and I go to the coach. I'm like, how do you do this? I said, I'll lose my mind if like tracks running around, and I'm trying to have a practice, and I've got music, <laughs> and I'm like, ah. But it, you know, it helps me. Like, you know what? You don't have to hold on so tight. Right. Sometimes trust trust the people more. Trust your coaches more. Trust the players more, and. Uh, right and if you give people a little bit more room they have more room to be themselves and and as i've gotten that we've we've gotten more successful i think in developing people than we've ever been before and it it is it is seeing that you know but basketball i look basketball is basically indoor soccer with your hands Mm -hmm. and so I'm, i'm watching our team this last week they've got a way to beat the press and you know i'm watching coach going oh i wanna i wanna share something with you but you know, I've got to let go and say, you know what, I've hired you, I trust you, do this, mm-hmm. right? And and so it's it's that balance that that I, that I think. But taking it back into our game, you know, I've 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 taken different things and and I've had a football coach take me through how they go through film. Mm-hmm. It takes nine thousand hours because you've got eleven guys and they stop every three seconds. That guy took this step and then he did this. It's insane. And as a soccer player, right, I, I sat through film sessions and i've had people pick apart and i'm just like this is not a lot of fun necessary but not a lot of fun so how do i coerce that and and move that into something that's a little bit easier to take in you know so you're not defensive right if you've ever seen yourself on film it's the coolest and scariest thing at the same time right and you (laughs) mentioned watching football practices listening to the music that they play and kind of letting go a little bit of your own players more specifically how have you done that Oh, oh fair enough uh it is being a better better at picking moments, right? Letting letting more moments go by, right? You know, again, I'm a I'm a bit of a perfectionist, or I like to be very specific about things. It's when I see somebody receive a ball in an and I'll, I'll use the way 
I'll use the term inefficient, right? Everybody says the right way wrong. In a, in a way that's less efficient than what we're trying to get done. Okay. I've got to let that go to see, you know, let's finish the thought. And then I, and then go back instead of disrupting the whole flow in, in every time, right? The last thing I want is a player worrying about my voice every time he receives a ball, right? It, it, uh, learning to, to say, oh, pick your moment better. This is this could be two seconds with just that player rather than stop everybody and like, no, you have to, right? Because right. I think you heard that in, in a lot of coach education, right? You have the stop method, you have the in the middle method, and you have however, right? You know, now it is whole part whole or it's, you know, you, you create the problem and then you got to solve the problem or let them solve the problem first. And How have you seen practices that you've allowed moments to go by impact your players? I see them becoming better problem solvers. You know, at the end of the day, if I say this is about problem solving, they become better at it, right? And I, instead of trying to give them a color by numbers, I give them an outline, right? It's like, hey, we need to have some success doing these things. You bring the palette. You guys paint and, and sort this out, mm-hmm. right? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you with a couple of brush strokes here and there. If I'm doing my job right, that's all I'll need to do. Enjoy yourselves. And learn to, learn to manage stress, learn to manage failure, learn to manage each other, right, without, you know, the big thumb on you all the time. And I think I, I have some unbelievably successful young men now that are in incredible jobs, and they come back and they say, Coach, I get why you had a standard, and I get why we work so hard, because I see people that haven't been in an athletic environment deal with a boss they don't like, and they freak out. Mm-hmm. And, he, he's like, and the feedback I got, he was like, you just get on with it. You're like, okay, you're not happy with that. We'll, we'll try again, and we'll do this. And, you know, it, it's that composure under pressure, right? And, you know, and, and you hear people say, you know, like, how be comfortable being uncomfortable. Right. I really appreciate how you've talked about creativity of soccer and, and really given your coaching philosophy of allowing practices to breathe and allowing – players to be themselves and learn from them in that way thank you so much for coming on the podcast i know so many people are going to be able to take away so much great insight from you i really appreciate this opportunity and thank you for asking all right two interviews done julianne sitch and nate hauser when we return we meet two more members of our amazing 30 under 30 class chelsea patterson and tony madonia we start with chelsea after these messages United Soccer Coaches would like to thank all 2022 convention attendees, exhibitors, presenters, and volunteers for reuniting in Kansas City. You can relive all of the special moments from the awards banquet and All-America ceremony and reception by watching the recordings now available on unitedsoccercoachesconvention.org. Remember to save the date for the 2023 convention in Philadelphia, January 11 through 15, 2023. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Lee Gaps, my favorite part of the show. And we get to meet another outstanding member of our 30 under 30 class. It's Chelsea Patterson. She's been on the show before, but now she joins us as an esteemed member of the 30 under 30 class. Chelsea Patterson, welcome back. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you, Dean, for having me back. I'm excited to be talking to you again. It's been two years, so I'm excited for what we have to talk about. Yeah, we obviously had you on during a heady time when we wanted to make sure that more people of color were getting big time jobs. You were an assistant coach at Houston and 
you know, we wanted to talk about getting more black coaches involved. And now you're a member of the 30 under 30 class. So first of all, thanks for being on that all important call initially. And now not only are you on, you've got a big job now, Loyola Marymount assistant coach. So you're back in California. A lot of great things happening for you, Chelsea. Tell us what it means to be at Loyola Marymount now. Yeah, it's a really amazing opportunity for me. I mean, I grew up in a private elementary school in a private setting. I went to an all-girls Catholic school. And for anyone who doesn't know, Loyola Marymount in LA is a private school. So to always be looking towards and looking forward and seeing an esteemed university academic-wise as well as athletically, always growing up and seeing them kind of at the top of everyone's radar and then now being here at the program and having a hand in shaping and mentoring the athletes in this program. I'm just honored and humbled to be here. Let's remind everybody your journey, where you grew up, where you played, your coaching stops, because all of it is pretty fantastic. Yeah, definitely. So I began club in Southern California for a smaller club called Bluton Rangers. I played there from ages 13 to 18, so all of basically high school. And then from there, I was recruited to play at Cal State Fullerton. And I committed there, decided to go there. Freshman year, I did not start in the first couple games because I was not expecting to. And then I think three games in, I got an opportunity and I never left the field for four years after that. And the next year, I was named a fourth of four captains. And as a sophomore, that's just amazing to have. I mean, it's very humbling. It's very scary to be talking to 22, 23 year olds, but the team was very, very supportive in my role and respected me as I respected them. So it was very easy to step into that role and of leadership actually. And then uh, my senior year, I had an injury. So that put my playing dreams at, at a pause. So I continued down the path of coaching to kind of see if I really wanted to do that. And that led me to University of Laverne, where I got my master's and I was a grad assistant for Lauren Pahanich, who's also alum of Cal State Fullerton. So I kept it small in my, in my bubble who I knew. And then um, I went to University of Houston after three years at Laverne. And there the head coach was Diego Bocanegra, who also took me under his wing as he had coached me in high school as well as college. So I kind of stuck to the Cal State Fullerton bubble and that was what was comfortable to me. Still a challenge to move out to Houston, obviously right during a pandemic for two years away from family. There are so many challenges, but the positive was I was with someone who could mentor me, shape me, mold me into kind of the person that I am now. And then I found my way into LMU and here the comfortability now is being home. Whereas the difficult part is it's a new project. It's a new program coming up. The past couple of years have been a little difficult for them as well. So that's the, that's the project part of, of being here, but this is where I'm at now. All right. And remind me who's coaching at LMU. Who are you working with Chelsea? Yes. So the head coach is Chris Shamidez and his prior coaching. Yes. You remember him from <laughs> the event. <laughs> I don't, I don't even have to say anything else. I was going to explain more, but get just Chris Shamidez from Cal state LA and he's the D2 men's uh, championship coach. And then I know I'm, I'm really excited and just excited and humbled to be here. And the other assistant is Allison Lipscher who was the goalkeeper coach at, yes, Kansas City FC and WSL team. So both very, very well-known, very knowledgeable. I mean, I feel like I'm with 
I'm with celebrities here, so I'm really excited for this opportunity. Yeah, I caught Allie's games when she was at Duke, and then I also caught a lot of her games when she was at Minnesota, and you know, I call the courage. So I followed okay. her career. And I feel like there was one time where Allie and I were supposed to do a game over at Duke after she had graduated. I'm not sure if we did do a game or we almost were going to do a game, but tell her I said hi and tell Chris I said hi as well. Because uh, as you know, he's been on as a national champion head coach because we always talk to, to all the champions. So you got all that and then you've got your family around you, right? So tell me about uh, your family. Who's, who's around you? Who's close to you now? Okay, so who's close to me, closest to me, really my uh, boyfriend who I had met out in Houston had moved with me. So technically he's closest. <laughs> in terms of everyone else who's already here, I have my mom who lives in Anaheim. So she's about a 40 minute drive from where I'm at. And along with her, it's her sisters and her brother-in-laws and my cousins who are all kind of right there in that little 10 mile radius. And then I have my dad and my stepmom and my three half siblings who live in Corona, which is about an hour, 10, 15 drive, but still not that far. All right. And then remind us your first interaction with United Soccer Coaches. Obviously, I already mentioned you were on with your ties to the Black Soccer Coaches Advocacy Group and Nicole Hercules, who I think is just a wonderful leader and a wonderful person. So when were you first introduced to United Soccer Coaches? And then when did you realize that this 30 under 30 program was going on and it was so cool? Yes. So my first interaction with United Soccer Coaches was January 2017 at the L.A. convention. That was really overwhelming. <laughs> it, was, it was a lot. There was a lot um, to do, a lot to see, and a lot to take in. And I mean, I kind of felt like I was in college again, but it was it was a great opportunity. And from there, I don't remember if I actually met Nicole in person, but I had heard more about the Black soccer advocacy closer to the end of the uh, United Soccer Convention. And I signed up and I started getting emails. I started communicating with them. So I never actually met Nicole in person until January at Kansas City at this convention. And that was really exciting because I've had, I've been on multiple like Zoom links with her and listening to her communicate and talk and process just is amazing to hear. And I aspire to be like her. So it's been amazing to be a part of the Black Soccer Advocacy Coaches. So when I learned about 30 Under 30, I was at Houston and Diego encouraged me to sign up for it. And I did. Actually, another one of my mentors is Twyla. She was at Houston Dash, but now she is with the U.S. Women's National Team. And she encouraged me to, to follow that as well because there weren't that many female coaches. And she wanted me to be a part of it. And I did not get in that first year. So it was 2020. Did not get in. And 2021, I had applied again. And this time, I didn't put as much, I think, pressure on myself to make it. And when I found out a month later, or it was, it was October of 2021, I was like, Oh my gosh, I, it. I was just excited. I was sending it to everyone. And they're like, Oh, this is great. What is it? What are you, what are you doing? And they're like 30, 430. And I was like, no, 30 under 30, but it's okay. It's okay. And you got to meet most of the members in Kansas city, right? Isn't it a great group of young people? Yeah, it's amazing to collaborate with so many young minds, such as myself. And I've I've grown up with soccer players and around soccer players, but not coaches, not like-minded coaches, or not, or people with other opinions. And it was so exciting to sit at a luncheon and just talk to so many different people who are coming from so many different backgrounds. And the diversity is just really humbling. 
When you hear those three words, United Soccer Coaches, what does it mean to you, Chelsea? United Soccer Coaches means to me that it's an organization who supports us, but allows us to bring in our own ideas and allows us to be creative, allows us to work off of each other and collaborate for the betterment of the children and the players that we're coaching, but as well as us as people, like they support us so heavily and so well to collaborate. All right. And I asked the crystal ball question. I may have even asked the last time you were on just because I was interested in your path, but you know, do you have an idea? You keep making these cool moves where you're learning from great mentors and you were kind enough to share some of those mentors names as well. But have you thought about where you want to be in 10, 15 years from now, Chelsea Patterson? I see myself in a head coach position. I do. I have gotten that question and I'm not sure the level matters to me much, but I do see myself having my own program and continuing to learn from my mentors, continuing to grow and really excited about the program that I'm in. I find you fascinating. So what I want to know is if you weren't coaching soccer, what would Chelsea Patterson (laughs) be doing? Have you ever thought about that? Yes, I have. Um, Chelsea Patterson would probably be a high school PE teacher. Okay. So it's always about giving back. It sounds like with you. Yes, it it always has been. And that's always been an underlying theme of uh, my grandma, who was a huge rock in my life. And she passed away in 2018. But prior to that, she really instilled in me a lot of helping others and always kind of serving others, but being being an asset in other people's lives, because I've been blessed in my life. So it's it's a good act to help others as well. Well said. Finally, I spent some time in Southern Cal and in Orange County, and I became all in with the scene, particularly the sports scene. I'm now a diehard Lakers fan. Okay. Yeah. When I was there, I used to go to the forum club, which is kind of crazy because now they got this show called winning time and mm-hmm. they hang out and go to the game. So are you a big LA sports fan? Are you into the Lakers or any of those teams or not so much? <laughs> You know, growing up in Anaheim, Angels will forever be my baseball team. However, we don't have a basketball team. So yes, LA Lakers is my is my team to follow. <laughs> All right, awesome. And what about football? Now you have two football teams back there, including the Super Bowl champs. I mean, I can bandwagon and say the Rams, <laughs> but um, I don't know. The Chargers have been here a little bit longer than the Rams. So I'm I'm still trying to figure it out. I'm I'm watching football with my boyfriend, but we're we're still trying to figure out which team we are now. All right. Then last thing, you also have the Galaxy LAFC, and now you have NWSL's Angel City. Have you been able to soak any of that in, or do you plan to? I have not been able to since I've been home, but I do plan to definitely make some moves. I know a couple of people of each of those organizations, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find a way sometime this summer to make my way to each of those games. <laughs> All right, Chelsea Patterson, you have a wonderful spirit. I'm so happy that you're back in California, and I'm happy that we can talk to you again. Good luck. We'll continue to follow your career, and thanks for being a member of the 30 Under 30 class, and thanks for being on this podcast. Thank you, Dean. I really appreciate this opportunity, and it's good talking to you always, always, always. I feel the same way, and we are not done. We'll talk to one more member of the 30 Under 30 class before putting a bow on this show, and we'll do that after these messages. Does it feel like all you're doing to manage your team, club, or league is busy work? 
If so, League Apps can help you get back to doing what you love, delivering a powerful yet simple youth sports management platform from robust registration and payment tools to automated communications and other software integrations. League Apps saves you time and headaches. Less busy work, more time doing what you love. Go to leagueapps.com to learn more. League Apps is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, where today we have a bit of a Chicago feel, where we open the show with the new head coach of the University of Chicago men's soccer team, Red Stars player, Red Stars assistant, Julianne Sitch, who also spent time at University of Illinois Chicago. And as we meet another member of our 30 under 30 class, Tony Madonia, we find out right away that he also has ties to the Chicago area. So with that, Tony Madonia, who is the head women's coach at Hinsdale Central in Hinsdale, Illinois, where he's also the assistant coach for the boys team as well. And Tony, welcome to the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Thanks, Dean. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, we had some fun talking about Tony Madonia, as we called it a good Irish name, obviously joking around <laughs> a little bit beforehand. But yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where did you grow up and how you ended up at Hinsdale? I know you spent some time at junior college as well. And then you also started a club team at uh, Eastern Illinois University. I grew up in the south suburbs of Chicago in Orland Park, Illinois. My dad was a, a big sports fan. He was a baseball guy himself. And then me and my brother, I have an older brother, two older sisters. So my mom, Joanne Madonia, my dad, Joe Madonia, my oldest sister, Angela Madonia, or Angela Douglas, my second oldest sister, Christina Naushaleka. She married a cool Lithuanian guy, Tadis, and my, my older brother, Joe Madonia. Me and my brother both played baseball, but then my brother got into competitive hockey. And I remember um, kindergarten vividly seeing a kid with a pair of Sambas on, and I was like, man, okay, what's this all about? And that's when I started playing, playing soccer. And um, I never really stopped from, from recess of, you know, my kindergarten, first grade years on. And my brother played a little bit too. And I got to be competitive with some of his friends playing in high school, making varsity as a sophomore. He was two years older than me. So I played with a lot of his buddies who were on the team, which was kind of cool at uh, Sandberg High School. And ironically enough, my varsity coach for three years there, Jack Ferraro, um, I had the opportunity to coach with him at Hinsdale Central High School for my first first high school coaching job. All right, outstanding. And did you play any other sports growing up? I played baseball up until high school. I played volleyball up until high school, but I really just focused mostly on soccer once I got to got to high school age. Okay. And then the junior college you went to, I believe it's called Moraine Valley Community College. Tell us about uh, why you picked Moraine Valley Community College. I was really trying to decide what I was going to do, what I wanted to study. And I still had this, these dreams of being involved in soccer and some of them realistic, some of them unrealistic. And so I decided to just start right away. And thanks to my mom, who's been in education her whole life as a counselor, she talked me into going to community college. And I started my senior year summer after I graduated high school, I started with some summer classes and it led to a lot of great things and a lot of great experiences. Ended up playing in a semi-professional league, the Chicago Latin American Soccer Association, because the team that I played for, a lot of the guys were from a couple high schools in the area that were predominantly Hispanic and we got to know each other really well and 
and I got to play some semi-pro ball with those guys. And that was a really cool experience. I already mentioned that you started the club team at Eastern Illinois. First off, I think Eastern Illinois is known for Shellis Hindman, And I think it's also known for Tony Romo. Do I have the right school there? And Sean Payton and Mike Shanahan and Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, there's a, there's a <laughs> lot of football guys there. But yeah, Shellis, that's awesome too. What was it in you that said, hey, I'm going to start a club team at Eastern Illinois? Uh, so I went to, you know, a few practices with the D1 team and um, I knocked the ball around with with them a little bit and talked to some of the guys. And it just seemed like I found a passion in, in teaching and I was not interested in, you know, traveling around and, and playing and probably not getting much playing time. And so I talked to one of my buddies, Ethan Swanson, who happened to go to my high school. He was a year older than me and played soccer together. And we're like, man, there's a lot of there's a lot of guys around here who, who play soccer competitively and aren't on the team. Let's, let's get this going. So we went through all the paperwork and got it to be a, an actual club sanctioned sport. And we, we played, you know, university of Illinois and we were kind of a ragtag group and t-shirts with numbers on, you know, kind of drawn on there. And after a season or two, we got jerseys together and things like that, but it was a cool experience. And I think that's where my passion for, for coaching really started. You obviously walked me right up to my next question is, you know, what was your passion for coaching? You've already answered that question. So tell us all the stops you've made along the way after starting this Eastern Illinois club team in your coaching world. I'm very, very blessed. I, I think that things have fallen into my lap that I, I really think are unique, unique people I've met. But after I started organizing trainings and figuring out, you know, how to coach, I realized that it was the same thing that I had a passion for in education. So I was studying special education at Eastern Illinois at the time, and I found it to be very similar, except I was able to teach the thing I love most and probably know most about soccer. And after graduating from Eastern Illinois, I started helping out at some middle schools with some teams and doing some private training on my own. I remember walking around being that guy who's walking around on a Saturday and Sunday at a big sports complex by my house, just handing out cards and saying, hey, I'd love to train your players if anybody's interested. So I think I got that sales pitch from my dad, who's a salesman. And then after that, I got a job at Hinsdale Central High School. And one of the first things I did was look out for the, the head coach, who is an extremely established coach, Michael Wiggins. In Illinois, he's, he's very well respected and he's got a very long resume that I won't even begin to start because I want to make sure it's, it's I do it justice. I ran into him and the first thing he said is we love having people excited about being on staff. Tomorrow, come out to our first tryout day. He opened the door for me and that first year as an assistant coach on a high school staff, I was on the sidelines of a state championship. And in 2014, I was, thanks again to, to Mike Wiggins, I was standing next to him hoisting up the trophy next to him. And that's why I say I opened it up with things just fell in my lap. I was able to get a job at such a cool high school where the German national team trained on the grass pitch that our boys play on when they've been here. And it's a school that has a lot of pride and it's a fun place to work. And it's cool to be a teacher and a coach with some of these kids. And since then I worked my way up, got some education done and Thanks to these experienced coaches around me, they told me you need to be going to the convention every year. You need to make sure you're getting your 
coaching licenses. You need to make sure you're building that up. So I've done youth camps in the area and a little over four years ago, got the head coaching job for the girls. It's been a fun journey. Yeah, indeed. And obviously part of the journey is also making the decision to apply for the 30 under 30 for United Soccer Coaches. So if you can, Tony, talk about your first exposure to United Soccer Coaches and then what it means to be a member of this distinguished class. I'd be happy to. 2015 Baltimore, I believe it was 2015. I remember going out there, not really sure what to expect, a little bit intimidated. And then you get out there and you realize that it's a pretty ego-free soccer community that drew me in completely. I was a high school coach and I was you know, afraid I'd be looked down upon, to be honest. And the conversations I was having with the people I was having them with was very, very eye-opening to me that everyone was at this thing to meet people, get better, and maybe, you know, have some fun along the way. And it really took me off my feet. I was this young kid who's a new coach without a lot of experience or accolades, and everyone was very welcoming. And that's why I haven't missed a year since and don't really plan on it. So that means we'll see you in Philadelphia? Absolutely. (laughs) I think that also means you were in Kansas City and came up on the stage for the recognition of the 30 under 30. Were you there for that, Tony? And what did that mean? Yeah, you know, I remember being at those conventions from, you know, 15 on and seeing this 30 under 30 class and really kind of just thinking, wow, that's really cool. And I think I, I had to kind of develop some of my own confidence and some of my own experience and to feel like I was personally worthy. And luckily they read my submission and I said the same thing in that submission that I'm saying to you. I just finally felt like I was ready and I was, it was my last shot at it because I was probably one of the older ones in the 30 under 30 class. <laughs> um, but it, it just meant so much to be up there and talking to the, especially representing high school. There are only a few of us. It's clear that that the association is putting an emphasis on high school soccer and the place for it. And this year, being at the high school advocacy group and talking to Kevin Sims and Lee Gerald and Howie and the Greggs, like I just, it, it really is blown me away and it's like drawing me further and further in and I couldn't be happier. Well, we're happy to be spending time with Tony Madonia, another great member of the 30 under 30 class four United soccer coaches. You know, one of the things I, I do like to ask is that crystal ball question. Looks like you're doing great here at the school, head coach of the girls team, assistant coach of the boys team. Maybe this is where you want to be 10 years from now. Have you thought about that at all, coach? I really have. I started helping out this year with Illinois High School Soccer Coaches Association. I helped plan the clinic again because of the the people around me like Mike Wiggins. And just to mention a few other names, there's Joe Moreau, Jay Conrad. There's there's just a bunch of guys, Song Ha. There's just a lot of guys who have helped me along the way who are a bit older and got me more involved in advocating for high school and becoming more involved in Illinois. And I was asked that same question by another 30 under 30 member or two. And I just am about to finish my master's in coaching and kinesiology, coaching pedagogy. And I have a master's in educational leadership. I think that working at an institution like Hinsdale Central High School and just working for the district in general is is something special. I feel like I, I need to do it justice now. So I hope in 10, 15 years, I'm I'm lifting a few trophies for one, but I'm also kind of got this thing where I want it to be. You can only, 
you can only add so many things to the experience every year. And I just have so many ideas and so many things that I really want to make sure I'm adding to make the girls and boys program firing on all cylinders and the girls and boys getting everything they possibly can out of, out of this sport. Once they, once they hang up the boots, as I always say. I applaud you for recognizing the fact that United Soccer Coaches does, in fact, care about high school coaches. In fact, high school and youth coaches are, make up the majority of the members. So I'm glad that you spotlighted that. I also love the fact that you are coaching both girls and boys. Can you talk about the highlights of being able to do that? Oh, man. I mean, it's such a great challenge. And this year, uh, I was lucky enough, Kevin Sims had had me on a panel with um, a few other guys, two Kansas State high school coaches, and then again, Mike Wiggins again was on there. We talked about managing a boys and girls program in the same school. The only thing I'll really say about it is it's it's the same community. Like we kind of foster the same community and we want both the girls and the boys to be the best people they can be and obviously perform at their best too. And great representatives in the community, not just on the soccer field. And again, that's why I, I hope to coach on both sides, no matter what level it is. I hope to coach on both sides for the next 10, 15 years at least. <laughs> Finally, Tony, I wish people could see you because you've got, you know, bright eyes and a big smile. And I can tell that you love what you do and love what you're doing at Hinsdale Central. And the fact that you want to have a legacy there is fantastic. I feel like United Soccer Coaches also wants to leave a legacy. You've already touched on it. We'll end with that. When you think about United Soccer Coaches, those three words, what does it mean to you, Tony? It provides the best opportunity for coaches to provide the best opportunity for their players. And Again, the word that always comes to mind is is welcoming. Met so many people already through the United Soccer Coaches Association, and I think it's responsible for a lot of my drive. I picture a Sunday afternoon over at the Madonia House with an incredible <laughs> meal. Am I right? And if I am, what what is mom and dad serving? You don't have to ask if you're right. You can assume. And <laughs> my mom, Joanne, is is typically preparing some sort of chicken limon or lasagna. And I would put her chicken limon up against anybody's. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. Well, I guess before we let you go, make sure that uh, you give your dad and your and your uh, brothers and sisters a shout out as well. Yeah, my my dad's responsible for my work ethic, without a doubt. And being the youngest of four, I think watching my three older siblings and not only just them, but the significant others that they've chosen has really just like made me motivated to accomplish what I'm doing in my little circle of soccer and education. It's really motivated me to do as well as I can here, just like they do in all of their professions. So thanks to all of you guys. <laughs> I love you. That's awesome. And uh, we love what you're doing there. We love that you are so entrenched in the high school game. Congrats on being a member of the 30 under 30 class. And Tony, thanks for sharing your story on this week's United Soccer Coaches podcast. Thank you. Go Red Devils. Go Red Devils indeed. want to thank Tony and all of our incredible guests, including our featured guest, Julianne Sitch, the new head coach of the men's soccer team at the University of Chicago. That is so fantastic. also want to thank Bailey Conklin and Brandon Milburn and Erica Dyer and Jeff Van Dusen and all the great folks at United Soccer Coaches, as well as our producer, Colin Thrash, for each and every one of them. And all of you, I'm Dean Linke. We'll see you next week for another edition of the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by League Apps. 
Thanks for listening to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by League Apps. League Apps is the leading youth sports management platform, providing organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. To learn more about League Apps, find them at leagueapps.com or as League Apps on all of the social networks. And to learn more about United Soccer Coaches, visit us at unitedsoccercoaches.org.